0: From the time we're small, we think our parents have a say in choosing a life partner for us. So I think that's when arranged marriages. And a love marriage thinking that you, on your own accord, could find someone for yourself who you think is completely capable of meeting all expectations.
1: Welcome to my podcast, Keep It Spicy. My name is Shuba, and I will be your host for today's episode. Interested in hearing about love, life, travel, and career? I will be exploring all those topics and more. If you want to tag along for something fun, entertaining, exciting, and of course, spicy, hit that follow button so you can stay up to date with more episodes. Now, let's get into it. This is Keep It Spicy. Today's guest is Madhuri Sundar, aka Munchu. Munchu has a degree in international business slash trade slash commerce. Her past experience includes working in the spheres of angel investing and consulting in Auckland, New Zealand. Outside of the office, you can find Munchu experimenting with new recipes in the kitchen, building her startup, and making videos for her YouTube channel. Hi Munchu! thank you so much for joining me today. This is an episode I've been so excited to make, so thanks for hopping on Keep It Spicy today.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. So I'm going to
1: ask you, or I'm going to start off by asking you to tell me and our listeners what the spice to your life is. So basically tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, what's your story? What have you been up to? You have a YouTube channel. What's it about? You know, that type of that type of spice.
0: Oh, OK, um, cool. Yeah. So uh, my name is Manchu. Actually, that's not my name, but that's what most people call me. Um, I'm 25 years old. I turned 25 last week. And I have moved back to India after working in New Zealand for about four years. Um, So Shuba and I go way back. We went to school together and she was my junior. Um, And she kind of reached out. She told me about what she's doing with Keep It Spicy. um, And we've got a lot of like interesting things to talk about today. But um, in terms of my background, I did study business. Um, I'm single, if anyone's asking. (laughs) And um, I actually worked in India. I studied in India for some time. And as soon as I was done, I decided to move to New Zealand, of all places, to do my master's in business. And um, I kind of hung around over there for about four years. And then now I'm back and I'm actually trying to start something of my own. Uh, I do have a YouTube channel, so um, I think I will have an option to kind of plug that in the in the chat that we're doing now. Uh, but yeah, that's about it. Did I cover all the slides, Shuba?
1: I think you did. Yeah, and just, just to. Uh, tailing off of you being single. What is one thing about yourself that people might be surprised to learn? And this is something that we could have not necessarily found out about you know, from the internet, like something that we can't Google or or search up on LinkedIn.
0: I actually have something. This is actually, I think this could be interesting for a lot of people. So when I moved to Delhi in 2013, so this was for university, um, I couldn't speak Hindi. I couldn't speak Hindi at all. Um, and I was so nervous because I was a South Indian, I can speak some Tamil and I can speak English and I moved to Delhi and everybody's speaking in Hindi. And I picked up like basic conversational skills in my first year. And my second year, I actually directed a play in Hindi. Um, so I couldn't speak Hindi, but the play was in Hindi. That was because of my, um, my co-director, her name's Himanshi. Thank you, Himanshi. But, um, yeah, I, I did do that. Oh, my
1: gosh. How impressive. For the record, I can't speak Hindi either. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is awesome. Wait, what language do you speak? Tell our listeners.
0: Um, I, I speak Tamil. I think Shubha speaks the same language as I do. That is correct. Welcome, Shubha oh my gosh, I'm not going to
1: respond because like I'm so insecure and shy about speaking Tamil. Gosh, my Tamil is so bad. But anyways, interesting. So I also want to talk a little bit about your venture into YouTube. Of course, like this episode is going to be about, as the title says, arranged marriages in India. And we're going to get into that juicy stuff. But first, um, I just wanted to know, like, since you had like, pretty big or like you were very active on your Instagram in the past because I remember that you started off having like a, a keto page. So I was just wondering what, you know, caused you to kind of or like what your immediate cause to start a YouTube channel was like, can you like kind of walk me through that? process
0: um so as I said like I've come back to start my own thing and I was I do have a lot of things to say so as soon as I came back to India I was talking to these people and people were saying these things and I was just getting really annoyed And I am quite extroverted, so a lot of people do know what I'm doing, and I like to post stuff on Instagram because I'm super passionate about food. Um, But I was getting a lot of, like, concerned messages being like, oh, Munchu, are you okay? Are you fine? Like, why did you leave New Zealand? Why did you come back to India? And I was like, I'm just, I'm done replying to DMs from people who I haven't spoken to in 15 years. So I was like, I'm going to make it, I'm going to do something of my own. I need to create a voice in the internet. And I was like, let's just do YouTube because I can talk to a camera, so that's kind of what happened and I think in terms of choosing topics even though I did want to talk about like food um, I found myself kind of gravitating towards things that I have issues with and I think a lot of people can't articulate themselves like so I decided to kind of just jump into that.
1: Oh I'm you know what like I was actually one of the people that was going to ask you why you moved from New Zealand because I was like actively following you while you were in New Zealand until I saw your Instagram post where it was like Guys, please don't ask me (laughs) why I moved back to India. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to. Um, So guilty. But anyways, thank you for sharing that. Again, as I mentioned, I invited you here to basically talk about the topic of arranged marriages, because I think this is something that our listeners would find very interesting. Of course, our Desi listeners, as well as our like foreign, not Indian listeners. Wait, first and foremost, you have watched um, Indian matchmaking, right?
0: Yes, of course I have. Okay, what were your
1: before we jump into it, what were your thoughts on that? Because I feel like that's something that a lot of people would have watched, like because it's on Netflix. So I'm hundred percent sure that a lot of our listeners may have checked it out, even if they're not Indian. A lot of like my not Indian fans have actually reached out to me about the show. What are your thoughts? Like, do you think it's an accurate depiction of how arranged marriages in India take place? Or like what are your thoughts on that show?
0: Okay, so I have so much to say. So I think this is a great question. Um, so the first thing I have to say, I think it's incredibly dramatic. I think it is a cinematic representation of what it looks like. There are a lot of basic differences that I could see from my perspective. Um, first of all, Sima Paria, she's good at her job, but she is crazy expensive, because um, even for my sister's wedding, we did have, um, we did use a traditional broker. There are a lot of factors. Broker in this case is basically a matchmaker. I'm really sorry if you don't follow my lingo. Um, And Seema Taparia is a high class matchmaker. And there's a good chance her job um, is specific to the 1% in India. And if you actually look at the clients that she shot on the show, they're the average NRI. So the average you know, non-residential Indians, so they're earning in dollars, they are doing better. But if you saw Sivata Padia in India, I can guarantee that most of her clients would be like that guy in Bombay, the diamond merchant guy, I don't remember his name, something with a P. Um, I think she's the only person who actually would be able to afford services. Because even the most, I think, shady matchmakers in this country, they charge a minimum of a thousand dollars if a wedding is fixed and the average Indian doesn't make more than maybe I think seven thousand USD a year that's what the average middle class income in fact upper middle class income looks like so they wouldn't be able to afford that. There are also a lot of factors where she spoke about, you know, um, caste and religion not being a factor. And then a lot of these people in the show, I think since they're NRIs, obviously like the caste and the factor wasn't taken into consideration as much. If you live in India, it's completely different. Like I know for a fact that even if you are marrying within the Tamil community, um, there would be differences, like for example, like Shuba and I were both Tamil, but Shuba would belong to a different caste and community, and so would I. So, even if we got married, our native language or the dialect in which we speak are completely different, and that can be a huge cultural difference when you're going to an arranged marriage. Um, yeah, so that's a few things. Uh, I hope I've covered enough.
1: Oh no, that's plenty. Like, I, I didn't think about it like that. Like, I do agree with the cost. Like, she's very expensive. But I will say that, like, I do think that, like, for somebody that is like, has no idea of how arranged marriages take place. At all. I feel like that was a good intro because you can see how, not soon, but you can just see like how the, like there's no dating that happens. You know what I'm saying? Like with an arranged marriage, I agree with you, but I do think it was like very extra, but I also do think that it's like not an accurate depiction, but I think it's like a good intro to foreign people who don't know anything about arranged marriages for you to see like kind of what the process is like like you call an outside person you mm-hmm. they look at the, the your resume which is called your bio data um, they like literally like scan you so to speak where they're like okay these are your requirements like your skin has to be like fair or whatever you have to you know like all these like you have to have a certain number of like or for women You have to have hobbies, even though you're going to be cooking and cleaning in the kitchen. So those are my thoughts. But I think, yeah, you have a better, like, what do you call? You would know better is what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, I mean, it does come from experience. I wish I didn't know as much as I do, but I think I know way more than the average 25 year old right now. So I'm like, okay, I'm an expert in this. This is fantastic.
1: (laughs) Um, And in your own words, can you explain what an arranged marriage is and why we do it? Okay, Um, this
0: is also a great question. I think the first thing I want to break is a big, I think, misconception or a stereotype that most people have. Arranged marriages are not forced marriages. A forced marriage is when, you know, a woman or the guy in question don't have a say. And they basically turn up to the mandap or the manavara or the altar on the day of their wedding day. And they meet their partner and they're like, okay, this is it. This is what you're going to do. Cool. Great. Awesome. But it's not it's not bad. I think um, Indian matchmaking actually did a good job of representing us in the context that you do get to talk to the person before anything is finalized, especially in today's day and age. Um, An arranged marriage is basically when you're ready to get married or if you're of marriageable age. For women, it can vary from the age of, I think, 21 up to, you know, 21 and onwards. But ideally, there's a lot of focus to get us married before we turn maybe 25. Um, And for men, it's, I think, the general consensus is about 24 to 30. So that's the ideal age in which they're looking for partners. So I think the focus for women is be reasonably qualified, well settled from a good family. And for men, the I think the addition would be they need, they need to be financially stable. Um, and for women, an underlying, I think, advantages if they're more uh, conventionally good looking, that could also be a bigger factor um, in their ability to find a better suited partner for their needs and whatever. So what happens is um, India is super diverse. We have different religions. We have different castes and communities. And when you're of the right age and you've done whatever you wanted to do before a specific age and they're ready to get you married, your parents will create a biodata or a resume or a profile, and put it up on the website. So send it out to friends and family and then people will know, OK, X, Y, Z is getting ready to get married. And then the news kind of spreads. And if there's someone who meets your basic requirements. So you can either marry within the same educational qualification and financial background or socioeconomic, I don't know, everything or you can look at going higher. So higher in the context of if you're making, it, say $100,000 a year, so you'd look for a partner who's making more than you. So that's if you're a woman. And if you're a man and you know, um, you have been fed the stereotype of that darker skin is considered less, um, I think, beautiful than you know, lighter skin, you would look for a partner. So if you're making a lot of money, like $250,000 a year, you think you're deserving of someone who's super conventionally attractive. So they set up a wedding and if, you, if they take your boxes and you take theirs and your parents like their parents, that's it. Boom. Um, that's what an arranged marriage is. So I guess that's that's it.
1: That is like an ex- excellent summary of exactly what an arranged marriage is and how it works. And I like I just wanted to ask, like, have you have been going through this process? Yes, I have. Unfortunately,
0: I wish I could say no, but yes, I have. Why do you say unfortunately? Do you not want one? Um, I think. It's always, Can I ask? Been, like, you know, absolutely. I'm happy to talk about this. I think that there might be a few women who are actually listening to this. Um, and I think my whole life, I've always been so focused on like, doing the right thing. Because your mom and dad say, like, I don't know how it works, but especially in, like, they see culture, there's a lot of focus. This is the age where you're supposed to do something. So is this the age, you know, you're supposed to go to college? This is the age you're supposed to get married. And we don't question these things. We're like, yeah, ma, sure, like, I'm going to do this because I think this is the right thing to do. And my parents have never let me down. And we just keep doing it. So when I turned, I think, 23... I had just graduated out of grad school. I had gotten my first um, big girl job. I was making decent money. And I was like, I've never dated anyone. So I'm ready to give this a shot. And then I told my mom and my dad. And they're like, oh my God, this is amazing. We're ready for you. We're going to make a profile. Put it on all the websites. See what we can do. And that's when it started. Two years ago. And it hasn't stopped, Shiva.
1: Wait, so it started because you wanted to date. And this is like dating in the sense of like, Like not an arranged marriage, like actual dating, if I'm not mistaken.
0: I think, I think I didn't think, I didn't think that was a choice. I thought the only option that I had was to finish school and then get married. Like there was no in between. Like, I think it sounds so stupid when I say it now, but at that point in time, I felt like that was the right thing to do. And that's what i had been raised to do. Um, and I was like, "Okay, and I thought dating for me would basically be getting a cup of coffee with a guy who picks all these boxes. Oh, I see and, okay, and just getting married to the guy if I liked him enough. yep, oh, so you wanted
1: you wanted your parents to set you up,
0: yes, because I thought that was my only choice. I think oh. I now I- I, I'm quite embarrassed by that, but I think I oh was gosh. just... No, <laughs> don't be
1: embarrassed. Oh my gosh. So it sounds like some, from what I'm hearing, it sounds like from when you started in 23, like when you told your parents that you wanted to meet a guy to now, two years later, it sounds like some character development has happened. Can you tell me a little bit about why this now like makes you feel embarrassed to express that you actually wanted your parents to start looking for you?
0: Um, I think the first word that comes to my mind is I was so naive. I was so. I thought, you know, as soon as you're done with university, I thought it's like, I, I don't, I don't know what to blame this on. I think I, I want to blame this on my upbringing or society or I don't know, Karan Johar movies. Um, like I was so ready. I was like, okay, so I've done all these things. I have these things to offer. I'm gonna meet Prince Charming. He's gonna be six foot two. He's gonna be like. Um, the next Elon Musk, and he's going to have an incredible family who owns all the money and all the property in the world. And he's, he's going to want to marry me. And then I started using these, you know, websites and apps and everything. And I was like, there's literally no one I would talk to if they weren't from the same caste or community on these websites. And I realized it's not as easy as you think. I mean, you need two people to make a relationship. So no matter how ready You are, or how much work you've done yourself. So, you're in the best shape of your life, you're making the most money you've ever made, and you're just feeling like a 10 on 10. And then you go into this, you know, situation, and then you meet these guys, and you're like, I could do better if I was, you know, um, six beers down on a Friday night. And a dive bar in like, I don't know, downtown Toronto or whatever, you could do a better job at finding yourself a partner than finding these men who are actively searching for a relationship with you. And it's taken me two years of, I think, trial to reach this point.
1: Ah, okay. So selection is not, you know, it's not adequate enough. It's not up to the, you know, up to your standards.
0: Yes. And I think, I mean, it's completely different when you're not looking at an arranged marriage because you you have other things to go off of. You have, you know, conversation, you have the vibe, what's the banter like, interest, hobbies. But in this, it's like, I swear to God, you have to look at a profile. It's a name, um, Kumar, six foot two... Uh, a public prof- public works professional makes this much money from this town, and then everyone has the same cut copy paste bio, which is "Hello, my name is Kumar. I work in India. I am from a decent family. I want a traditional but modern girl who will meet my family values." That's it. That is literally it. Chuba.
1: That's so funny. My dad's name is Kumar, so I'm pretty sure that's how my parents got me. Just kidding. Just kidding. I'm on a Just kidding. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's really interesting. And thank you for enlightening me and sharing that with me. I had no idea that I just like assumed that if that, because like, I knew that you were like, you have expressed in your YouTube videos that You've had some experience delving with this whole arranged marriage situation, but I didn't know it was because like, it was a mutual cons- like a consensual thing between you and your parents. They're like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, let's start looking. But I think that's just because like my family is different. Like I'm extremely stubborn. So if like, if my mom and dad were to start looking, which is why they don't talk to me about it now, like I will, I will yell. Like I'm so stubborn. I will yell. Their eardrums will burst. Like that is where it's going to go. So it's like not brought up. So I just assume that like, if I ever had an arranged marriage, it'd probably just be because my parents started looking without me, but not that they would do that now because of said reason, like I'm too stubborn. I'm pretty sure my dad fears me when it comes to this this subject, but okay. Thank you for sharing. That's very interesting. And I like, I get what you're saying, where you come from, like where, um, where you're like, I don't know whether to blame it on my upbringing or society, because like, I feel like that is to blame, but at the same time, like, that's just the society that you're in. Like you, like everybody grows up in a different society, right? Like a more Western way of looking at how you get married. That's just how their society is, which is different from ours. But speaking of like, there's not just arranged marriages that happen in India, right? Like there's also like something which to everybody else in the world is called just like a regular marriage where you like meet somebody, you fall in love, you date for like a couple of years, move in and get married. That is called a love marriage for us, if I'm not mistaken. Can you tell me about how like that could happen to somebody
0: like in said Indian society?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely.
0: So I think um, I never thought about this because I'm, a, I'm, you know, a TCK, like a third culture kid. I'm pretty sure you must have spoken about this. So you basically live in a bunch of different places and you have a very like worldly view of the world. So when I first moved to New Zealand... Um, there were a lot of things that I was used to, you know, like people drinking, or I don't know, like people wearing the clothes that they want or like, I don't know, just generally like a lot of things. But I was in a car, I was having a conversation with a friend who is a Kiwi, like he's from New Zealand, raised in New Zealand, we're talking and then I said, oh, um, are you going to have a love marriage or an arranged marriage? And then he looked at me like I was an absolute idiot and he was like, what are you saying, Manchu? And I said, you know, love marriage and arranged marriage. And he says, what is the love marriage? And I said, when you like the person and you marry them and then you date. And then he's like that's a marriage. And I, then he's like, what's an arranged marriage? And then I explained to him. And I think it's just by default. Like we think that from the time we're small, we think our parents have a say in choosing a life partner for us. So I think that's what an arranged marriage. Is. And a love marriage thinking that you on your own accord could find someone for yourself who you think is completely capable of meeting all expectations from you and your family, is it's a huge responsibility to have because in India, if marriage doesn't work out, so if it does, um, you know, end up in a, you know, a divorce or you know, you're estranged, you're separated. There's a good chance that you're going to have a lot more family support if it was someone that they picked for you over a love marriage where you've gone against them and said, hey, there's this guy who doesn't belong to the same background as us, but I love him and I think I want to marry him. So in that case, they're going to be like, if you marry this guy and it doesn't work out they're going to be like you should have listen to us and marry you know somebody else who these are the reasons why this happened does that make any sense
1: oh that makes 100 cent, like 100 percent sense um and I <laughs> one I, I agree with that completely like I feel like especially like elders and families who are extremely conservative and extremely traditional not that there's like anything wrong with that like you do you boo boo but like I feel like people like love to like latch on to this one thing that's gone wrong with a marriage and then blame it on you never listened to us or like you should have listened to us you know
0: it's so easy to say like even from a medical like just to take another example from a medical standpoint like a lot of people get cancer but like it's so easy to say if you're someone who smokes you're going to be like that's why you got the cancer and the cancer couldn't even be related to the smoking it could be some, something completely unrelated but it's so much more easier to say okay this is why when it doesn't work out but there's so many other people who you know having green smoothies working out every day who get different kinds of cancer so I'm like bro just like it happens
1: agreed agreed but can you also tell me because I feel like as you mentioned like this concept of like having an arranged marriage is very foreign to people that are not Indian can you tell us the benefits of An arranged marriage. Like, I feel like an arranged marriage is not always necessarily like a bad thing, though it does have like a bad rep, but tell me the benefits of it. Like why, like, why is it a good thing? Or yeah, why is it not a bad thing to have an arranged marriage?
0: Yeah, I think because, I mean, even if you do see my videos on YouTube, I do talk about it from a negative standpoint, because that's what the video's title was. But there are a lot of positives as well. Um, The first thing I would say is, as I said earlier, it's like if things don't work out, you have a family to support you. I know it's a very pessimistic way of looking at things. But if things don't work out, I have seen friends, I have had family friends whose weddings or whose relationships have have been super short. Like I'm saying, like, it ends in a month or two. And as soon as it's done, like, the whole family goes into overdrive and they're like, honey, are you okay? Come back home. We're going to support you. We're going to give you all the effort and love and whatever that we can. And I think it's incredible. Um, in addition to that, it's also, I I think statistically, um, don't quote me on this, but I have heard a few people and read a few articles on Google Scholar that say that marriages that... Um, happen through this arranged marriage system are more likely of lasting longer. And I initially used to think it's because of society, but I also think that compromise is a much bigger factor because you know you're not going to meet someone who's 100% meeting all your tick boxes. But if you meet someone who has the non-negotiables, a few things that you really like and you appreciate, you're willing to weather you know the storm to stay with them. Um, long term and also as most I think representations of arranged marriage in India in media they do say it's a marriage of families and especially when you start building a family together like when you have kids I've had friends who have been in interracial relationships who have had kids and they're married into a culture which is completely foreign to our own and, you know, they have certain expectations. Like when I have kids, I expect my mom to come and stay with me and help me take care of the kid and like maintain my household. But she got married and she had no support whatsoever from her in-laws. So she's working 40 hours a week. She's, um, you know, slaving away um, in the kitchen. She's cleaning a house. She's taking care of her husband and she's taking care of a newborn baby. And there was never this time where her in law like like her mother-in-law was like, honey, like I'm going to come over and help you out. And there are a lot of, like, cultural differences and nuances that a lot of people don't understand that you think everybody has going on in their house until you actually make that move and you live with somebody else from a different culture and then you realize, oh, my God, not everybody does it the same way. But when you marry someone with a similar background, there's a good chance they're going to get it. And that could actually prevent a lot of, you know, fights or indifference coming up in the future.
1: And can you also tell me, like, on the flip side, like, why does arrange, why do arranged marriages have such a bad rep, like why why are we hating on them? Like what are like the negative things about it?
0: Um I've actually been doing a lot of research about this for my next video, but I actually have a lot of points for this. I think the first thing is um indians are making more money we're getting more educated we're doing things with their lives and we're having conversations with people and the more people we talk to and the more things we understand i feel like we're forced to think about what's wrong with our society so things that were given when you start thinking about it you're like okay why is this person such a good match for me so if you take out you know the money the educational background and all of that from the equation. Is he a good person? Is he nice? And there's no focus in that. In fact, I've had people come up to me and say, it's okay if he can't speak English. Like, you guys can communicate in your mother tongue. And I said, but my, like, I'm like, I'm not comfortable. And they said, it's okay. He, he has so much money. He has this, he has that. And I said, just because you can quantify something doesn't mean it's the best option for me because for instance, I've, I've had, I had a meeting with this guy. Um, I'm not going to give names. And he was super successful, like professionally. Um, he was a architect and he was working um, in a Western country. And then we sat down to talk. And then he basically tells me, he doesn't appreciate English as a language. He learned English so he can talk to different vendors, but um, he thinks it's cool that I'm comfortable in English, but, when we get married, he'd expect me to speak in Tamil home, and I said, "I don't know how to react to this." And I look, I told my mom and my dad this, and they know me; they know me more than most people know me. And they said, "It's fine, it's okay. You can't expect your husband to speak the same language as you." And I said, "Hello, okay, what do I do?" So yeah, I guess that's one of the, my
1: biggest issues. I think I think I've covered enough. Can I ask how many people you've like seen? How
0: many resumes or biodatas have like come to you? Um, Okay, this is a tough one. So from what I understand, um, if you see okay, the the number of people who are interested, I'd say they're in the late 900s or something. Wait, what? You have
1: had like 900 people that have like looked at your profile or like your status or like your
0: qualification, so to speak, and like 900 people have said they want to marry you? They said, uh, see, that's the thing. It's like there's an interest. It's not like a yes from the get go. But it's like, because I've had, I think I've had profiles in multiple different websites and it's not, like, just because they're interested doesn't mean, you know, it's going to be uh, 100% yet, because I don't know how it works in other parts of India. But um, as a Tamil Hindu, the first thing that we look at is, in addition to, you know, the basics, which is background, education, financial qualifications, financial backgrounds and all of that, they look at the horoscopes. Um, and if that matches, then you proceed, because there have been instances where I met this guy and I mean, everything seemed okay. And then we looked at the horoscopes. And um, for those of you who don't know, there's actually an astrologer, like a horoscope reader that every family has, if you're Hindu and you, you get, uh, it's not like the English zodiac. So it's not, you know, Sagittarius is Libras, Gemini is not that stuff, but you basically get a star sign and you get, compatible star signs to that. And it's completely different from the English horoscope. So they see whether your horoscope matches his and whether there's a complete union and, you know, multiple different factors. So they look at, I don't know, sexual compatibility. They look at, you know, professional growth. They look at um, money and things like that. And if that matches, then you go ahead. And then you go see his house. He sees your house. He meets your mom and dad. You meet his mom and dad. You see his family. Then you talk and then the wedding is fixed. Um, So I basically had like 900 people. I'd I'd say, honestly, I I think I'm being quite conservative. I'd say about 1,000, 2,000 people might've said they're interested, Um, but actually met and spoken to, I'd say about 20 to 30 guys. Okay. And
1: I was, I think you were going to tell me about this, but like, what happens if you do meet somebody that you feel like you're compatible with or somebody that you are like, you are all, that both of you are mutually interested in, but the horoscope is like, no, it's not the best fit. What happens then?
0: then you immediately like seize contact. Like you immediately, like your family will be like, yeah, we're not going to go ahead unless, of course, you're you're one of the you know 30 plus year olds on the apps, and you you genuinely feel like this is an insane connection. You're not going to find this compatibility elsewhere. But um, there's a good chance that if the horoscopes don't match and your parents are on the front lines, they're not going to proceed. Ah, I see. Interesting. I mean, this is so cool to
1: hear from you. Like, I know a lot of what you're saying, like in theory, but like none of my friends. Have like are actively going through this process. So, like, I don't know anybody in real life that's going through this process. So, it's like so interesting to hear about like your about like basically all everything that's happening. As you mentioned, you're like a non residential Indian. I mean, now you're back in India, but you basically like were abroad for quite a while. And I do know a lot of like Indians that like go abroad, they like study, and then once they're done studying, they like, you know, they get like foreign educated so to speak and then they come back for an arranged marriage. Obviously the dating culture, the casual dating culture I should say in like more western countries are very different. Actually not too different in India. I feel like it's kind of getting there in India, but basically like what if cuz like Indian society is very against like premarital sex. So like what happens if you went abroad while you were studying you were like had a boyfriend who you were intimate with and then you come back and you know, you're getting in, like, you broke up with your boyfriend, whatever, you came back, you're in India now, and your parents are looking for somebody for you, for an arranged marriage, like, what happens then? Because I know that like that's a very uncomfortable topic to talk about in Indian households. And also the expectation is that you are a virgin. Yeah, that you are a virgin, basically. So like what happens? Like what happens in those type of situations?
0: Right. So from my understanding, like, I've had friends who live here and work here. And, you know, they, they have been intimate with their partners that they're seeing right now. Um, A lot of them have broken off their relationships and they've gotten married to people who their parents have found for them. Um, and in those situations I think it really depends on your partner because I feel like I was under the impression nobody had premarital sex like I used to think only you know you know Caucasians did or people who lived outside India I was under the impression no Indian will ever have sex before marriage and I don't know why because I think I was a bit I think delusional because that's what my mom had told me and the more like I, I have spoken to men and then they've They do kind of, I think, tiptoe around the conversation because I'd bring it up and I'd be like, oh my God, are you a virgin? Just to just, I don't know, break the ice. Guys, please don't do that. It's not a good conversation icebreaker. I just think it makes things awkward. But um, I'd ask them and then they'd be like, depending on how comfortable they were, some, some of them would kind of just pivot and be like, let's talk about that later. You tell me about yourself. Or they'd be like, oh, let's go back to that conversation. And some people would conveniently avoid the question because this would happen via text. And then once they were more comfortable, they'd come back to it and be like, oh, yeah, I was in a living relationship. Because a living relationship in India basically translates to, yeah, I've had sex. So I've been in a living relationship with the girl for two years, and but it's been four years since we broke up and it's fine. So I think it's really up to me what I want to do with that information, because I think it's your responsibility when you're going out trying to meet someone. And if that's a factor for you, if you're someone who is saving yourself a marriage and you, you expect the same from your partner, 100 percent, just, you know, there's no need for you to go ahead with that if that's something you value. But if you're someone who doesn't, who hasn't, you know, met the right person and you're waiting, but you, you're fine with the with the idea that your partner's actually been intimate with somebody else before, it's completely fine. But the best thing to do is not bring in your parents. I think bad news spreads like wildfire, especially in the community. So I won't be surprised, like if I go to my mom and my dad and I say this guy's had a relationship, they're gonna be like, oh my God, no, no he can't marry my daughter. No. And I'm like, but he's a great guy. Like he's just, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a lot to expect from someone who's been abroad or who's lived in a city or lived in a country and they've had, you know, a relationship. Um, so that's obviously it, it's really dependent, but there's a huge tab and there's a good chance that if you're not a virgin and people do find out you're going to be considered secondhand goods. And I feel sick as I say it, but I've heard people say that. I
1: can I can imagine yeah oh okay so I so what it sounds like is it shouldn't be a problem for the two people that are trying to get married as long as you just keep mom and dad out of the situation so that nobody gets all panicky and nobody gets ahead of themselves with assumptions because I feel like yeah people correlate like being a virgin to being like I don't know like a good ideal marriageable person in India you know it's like if you if you've gotten rid of one then like oh you're no longer like a good person for some weird reason or at least it just sounds like it's not been an issue for you as long as like mom and dad are out of the picture so that they don't jump to conclusions
0: yes because i think i mean we are different generations i'm obviously like i don't care like that's not a big factor for me but um i do think women and men are held to different standards i do think that men um can you know get away with a lot more things than women do but if women do it becomes a serious question of character so if someone for example find out finds out that I drink or I don't know whatever else is considered bad or if I smoke or I've had a relationship then suddenly it's like nope she's incapable of bearing children because she has toxins in her body from drinking I don't know um, vodka soda six years ago. So it's like I think the same thing and I think even virginity as a concept it shouldn't exist but it's like oh the hymen has been broken so her body which is the vessel is the thing that is the problem it's not the man who has created this situation who's to be you know held accountable got
1: it so this is like a debate not a debate but this is like a discussion that I've had with my mom in the past um obviously my parents are not looking but like this is something that like I like to talk to my mom about it because she's a lot more open about it than like my mom and I are pretty close about it um and I do share a lot more with her when we, whenever we argue about like an arranged marriage versus like falling in love and getting married. Like, arranged marriages don't give me time to really know who the other person is. And this is not just like from a marriage perspective. This is like even w- with friendships. If you're getting, if you have a new friend and you're, you know, you're building a friendship with somebody, I feel like you need time to really figure out who this other person is and like figure out their character, their values, their habits. So, like, this is just for all human relationships in general, like, not just for a marriage. So, I'm under the impression that like, you don't have the time to do that when you are getting an arranged marriage because there's like a lot of pressure and a lot of expectation and a lot of eyes watching, right? Like you have their entire family being like, okay, is Shuba going to say yes? And you have his entire family being like, oh my God, like, you know what I'm saying? So there's a lot of pressure there. And also the process is a lot more quick. Like I know that like some marriages, I think my parents met and got married within like six months of meeting. So it's like a lot quicker. And in my opinion, that's not enough time to really get to know the other person that I'm going to spend literally the rest of my life with. Um, I don't know what their habits at home are like, you know, like, I just don't know what kind of like, I don't know what their hygienic routines are like, like, I don't, I just feel like it's not enough. Uh, but my mom is of the, like her, or her debate or her counter argument is always like, well, if you like basically if you give them too much time, then they'll just kind of like fool you, I guess, like is what she's trying to say. Like they can just like woo you or like flirt with you or just basically like put on like qualities that are false just to get you to marry them, if that makes sense. That's what her argument is. So at least like if your families are involved, it's more serious. Um, It's taken a lot more seriously because the responsibility is a lot more. What are your thoughts on that? I don't know if my question made sense.
0: No, no, I I get what you're saying. So I think there's actually a few things to unpack there. Um, The first thing is, I think there's no such thing as a set formula. I can't be like, it takes me 10 months and two days to figure out whether this guy's the right guy or the wrong person for me. It's really dependent. And I think it comes back to even, like, casual dating or just meeting friends. It's simple, like, if you go to a party and you find someone you vibe with, so if you find someone who comes up to you and says, hey, Shuba, I love your podcast, like, it's amazing, then you have something to talk about. Or you you meet someone else, who you know, has their own podcast, like, you have a conversation going. You know, someone who has a similar background, that's obviously a lot more interesting for you. So they obviously start at, a, I think, a closer level than someone who has nothing in common with you. So if they bring you someone who you have absolutely you know nothing in common with and you start talking and you're like I don't know where to start but everything else like from a very superficial standpoint seems okay then you can ask for more time but coming back to what your mom said my mom is of the belief that if the more you talk to someone they're going to see all the negatives that you have because you're not, not no one is 100 perfect you're never going to meet someone who's like you know, a beacon of everything that's good in this world. And my mom says, the more you talk to someone, he's going to see all the bad things about you and he's going to back out. And I think there's such undue pressure on the time aspect of this, which is hurry, get married soon, and then figure everything else out. And I said the biggest difference that I think between our generations is we'd rather try and test before we buy. And for them, it's like you buy it and no matter what happens, you troubleshoot afterwards. Because I think... There's this whole belief that one woman, one man and anything in addition and above of that basically makes you some sort of um, secondhand object which is honestly disgusting but I do get where they come from because that's obviously the society that they were brought up in and there's nothing wrong with it. I'm not saying don't be like that if that's what you believe in 100% do your own thing but it could be incredibly problematic for someone like me or you who's been outside, who's you know spoken to a bunch of different people. You know what a good, healthy, non-toxic friendship or relationship is supposed to look like. So you should honestly take your time. And I think if you're, if you're someone whose parents belong to a different school of thought, thought, the best thing for you to do is to isolate your conversations with this guy. So if there's a way for you to talk to him first before getting your family involved, Do that. So if you find a profile on a website or whatever, you message them and be like, let's just keep it between the two of us. For the first few months and if we think there's potential here then we can bring the family
1: in that's a very good way of looking at i never ever thought of it like that um also like your mom saying that like they find out all the negative qualities about you they won't want to marry you that's so cute (laughs) i feel like that's something my mom would say too oh my gosh i just think indians that fall in love and get married because like they want to get married not because like you know like indians who have a love marriage i feel like in my opinion i feel like that's also very rushed because like. Because there's so much of like a setback when like conventionally speaking, like a family where everybody's had an arranged marriage, if like these two kids are like, okay, I've fallen in love with my like classmate or something and I want to get married to him. I feel like in those type of situations, I still think that in Indian society, it's very rushed. It's like tomorrow, if I were to have a boyfriend, if my parents were, even if my parents liked him or whatever, like they wanted to accept him, like they were cool with it. I feel like the next question I would hear is, okay, so when are you guys getting married? Which I think is such a very, I still think that like, even for open-minded Indians that are down to have their kids like not have an arranged marriage I still think that like it's still like but when is the but when but when are you gonna get married but when is the wedding happening you know what I'm saying I just feel like there's this like urge to rush which is not very which is very different from like western culture where you like date for a year or two and then you live with each other for like another couple years and then maybe get married, though, like, obviously, there are exceptions to everything. So I don't know, I'm just like, of the thought that like, I agree with what you're saying. But I also just feel like arranged marriages have such a bad rep for all the reasons that you said. But I also feel like love marriages in India have such a bad rep, because like, in my opinion, I still think that those are very rushed because of pressure to still just get married. Like, sure, have a boyfriend, as long
0: as he's going to be the person that you get married to, like two months from now. You know? No, there's no, I think there's no focus. Us as a culture, like, I'm, I'm speaking about Indians. It's like, you need to know exactly what you're doing, even before you even start. Like, when you're in the 10th grade, they're like, do you want to be a doctor or an engineer? I'm like, I am 16 years old. I don't know what I want to do right now. I'm like 14, maybe. I don't know how you're supposed to, how old you're supposed to be. And they're like, immediately make a decision and stick to that for the rest of your life. And I say, that's not how it's supposed to be, because there's um, this is great book, I think it's by, um, his name is Neil Padishka, I'll send you the link. And it basically, it talks about people jump into these things because they think that's what they have to do. But in reality, it's completely okay to fail a bit, because even my career counselor at university says, the average person changes their career four times. So... When you you know you invest so much time and money and that's basically all you focus on for the first quarter of your life figuring out your profession. If you're bound to make those mistakes, imagine about you know imagine your profession your your personal side. Where you haven't dated, where you haven't met guys, where you don't know what you want. And the more you date, the more people you talk to, you start understanding what are the things that you don't want. But if you get married and then immediately you go inside and then you realize okay this guy snores or you know he eats with his mouth open. And that could be okay with somebody else. But for me, that's a big no-no. And then you have, okay, um, you know, his hygienic habits, as you said, or what if he's low-key, you know, like a masochist or like a misogynist or he's like racist or sexist. These are factors that could affect me, but it wouldn't affect somebody else. And because you didn't take the time to get to know him, you're caught in this relationship that is bound by legal documentation that you can't easily escape and you're stuck. And that, I think, is very daunting.
1: That is very daunting. My last question before we move into the lightning round is that what advice would you give to somebody who is considering an arranged or like whose who's time for an arranged marriage has come?
0: Okay, so first of all, I'd say make sure you're getting into it for the right reasons. So if, you, if you're doing it because you think everybody else is doing it, Absolutely not. It's not, I think everybody has a different storyline. Everybody has a different timeline. And just because you're 27 and all your friends are popping out kids and buying houses, don't think that if you're not mentally or emotionally or physically ready to get married, don't do it, regardless of what your mom and dad tell you, regardless of what society tells you. And I do know I'm saying this from a place of privilege. I can, I am, you know, financially independent. I'm not you know, particularly rely on anyone for any help. Um, If you're in a situation where you think you will lose your privilege because of, you know, that get out of there. Like, you know, use your education, get a job, use a skill that you have and isolate yourself. I'm not saying estrange yourself from your family, but make sure in the right headspace before you jump into anything like this um that's probably the first piece of advice the second I would say is um be very clear about your non-negotiables because you're not going to meet someone who's you know ticking all your boxes what are the few things that you can live with and what are the few things that you can't live with and I think you will find out more the more you talk to people be inquisitive be assertive ask them questions um if you feel like you're not comfortable asking the question then maybe you're not at the right level with like level of intimacy with the person that means you need to take more time um and that comes back to the last point which is just take your time don't push yourself into anything yeah that's it love
1: that i hope this helps all the young or not young i just hope this helps all the boys and girls listening to this episode who's you know who are having similar thoughts and like have had these questions in their heads. so very
0: very useful thank you um, yeah, I hope you all learn something new. It's time for the lightning round.
1: Um, are you a morning person or a night owl? I say night owl. Are you a hunter or a gatherer? Hunter. Favorite North Indian food? Butter chicken. What?
0: Really? Yes, I love butter chicken. I think you can make so many kinds of food with it. You can make lasagnas, you can put it in <laughs> raviolis in a pita bread. I, I am so
1: surprised. You're the first Indian that I've ever met in my whole life. That, um whose favorite food is butter chicken? But I love it. I love it. Um, favorite South Indian food? I'd say dosa and sambar. A Bollywood movie you'd recommend to someone new to Bollywood?
0: So I have two options. I'd say Bulbul, which is produced by Anushka Sharma. It's a supernatural supernatural horror thriller, um, but it's a period film, which is amazing. It's so beautiful. It's so aesthetic. Um, and then the other one I would say is Zindagi Na Dobara, which is um, it's not as like stereotypical as old-fashioned Bollywood, but I really like the way, and I think it's a good midpoint. It's like rom-com drama, like coming of age kind of vibe. It's a great movie.
1: Um, a Tamil movie that you would recommend to someone who's not familiar.
0: Um, oh, this is tough. I love Parayappa. I'm obsessed. Oh with parayapa, my gosh! So
1: old school. <laughs> Favorite social media app. Instagram. What food do you wish didn't exist? Chai lattes. Just because I have to, just because of what we're talking about. A love marriage or an arranged marriage? I'd say stay single. Oh, okay. Third option, single. <laughs> Best advice you've ever received. Believe in yourself. Worst advice you've ever received. Listen to your parents all the time. Whose podcast would you love to be a guest on next?
0: How I Built This with Guy Raz.
1: And my final question: If you could describe yourself as a flavor, what would it be?
0: Let me think. That's a good question. I'd be. Um. Have you seen um, there's like a gulab jamun bundt cake? Oh, like a- I've I've never heard of that. It was like, I think I'd be one of those, like those weird hybrids. I'd be like a rasmalai cake or a gulab jamun bund cake or like a gulab jamun donut. Yeah, I'd be gulab jamun. That's my, like, like too sweet, but like so overrated, but also underrated. <laughs> I like that.
1: That's cute. Oh, all right. Well, thank you. This was awesome. And now to wrap up this episode, we wanted to send you all off with a quote. And Manchu, since you're the special guest, I would love for you to do the honors.
0: My quote is from Sima Padia from Indian Matchmaking. And the quote is, marriages nowadays are like biscuits. They keep breaking. Full stop.
1: (laughs) Um, And if our listeners are interested in learning even more about you, is there a way that they can follow you or reach
0: out to you? Yes, of course. So my Instagram handle is Manchu, which is M-A-N-C-H-U-B-E-B-Munchin. Um, without a G, so it's Manchu, B-M-U-N-C-H-I-N um, on Instagram, and it's the same name on YouTube. So I've got, I think, four or five videos. Please check them out. I haven't figured out what my channel's about, but I think it's kind of like the social just, justice warrior vibe. The, I just, I I V'd and w would my thing, that most the thing that most Indians do. Um, it, it, it's got like a really like social justice warrior vibe, Um, And I kind of talk about things that are wrong with Indian society and like I think basic stuff for people who are living abroad, who are left home and stuff like that.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. This was such a fun episode Um, and
0: enjoy and good luck with your endeavors and your YouTube channel. Thank you, Shiva. Thank you. I hope um, I know Keep It Spicy is going to blow up and I can feel it in my bones. And um, everyone, please subscribe and follow and do whatever you have to do to make this like an amazingly super successful podcast.
1: Oh, I appreciate that so much. That brings us to the end of this episode. I hope you folks enjoyed that. Join me next Sunday for another episode on Keep It Spicy. If you want to stay in the loop, follow me on Instagram at underscore keepitspicy and on Twitter at keepitspicypod for more related content and some pick-me-ups in the middle of your week. Like, comment, and share the content and podcast with friends and family. On that note, remember folks, keep it spicy. Yours truly, XX.